Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20. Beginning at verse 1. I got that on. Okay. Came to pass that on one of those days, as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes came upon him with the elders. Spake unto him, saying, Tell us, by what authority doest thou these things? Or who is he that gave thee this authority? And he answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing, and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then believed ye him not? But and if we say of men, all the people will stone us, for they be persuaded that John was a prophet. And they answered that they could not tell whence it was. And Jesus said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. Then began he to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and led it forth to husbandmen, went into a far country for a long time. And at the season he sent a servant to the husbandmen that they should give him of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandmen beat him and sent him away empty. And again he sent another servant, and they beat him also, and entreated him shamefully, and sent him away empty. And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen, and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. And he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected is the same as become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And the, priest chiefs, or the chief priests and the scribes the same hour sought to lay hands on him, and they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. And they watched him and sent forth spies, which should feign themselves just men, that they might take hold of his words, so they might deliver him under the power and authority of the governor. And they asked him, saying, Master, we know that thou sayest and teachest rightly, neither acceptest thou the, way, the person of any, but teachest the way of God truly. Is it law for us to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Show me a penny. Whose image and superscription hath it? They answered and said, Caesar's. He said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. And they could not take hold of his words before the people, and they marveled at his answer and held their peace. So I titled the message this morning, Who Gave Thee This Authority? Let's pray. Who Gave Thee This Authority? Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious word. And I pray, Father, as we look unto thy word today, again, that you would speak to hearts and challenge us and bring conviction where conviction is needed and repentance where repentance may be needed and faith. And Lord, we thank you that thou art Lord of heaven and earth. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us to submit ourselves to you 
that it may be well with us and help us to glorify you. So just speak to us, challenge us, encourage us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You probably, the greatest problem that affects all other problems that we have in our society today and in our culture is the problem of rebellion against authority. You really all issues boil down to, to this thing of authority. I don't know, you know, there was a governor in um, Kentucky and answering some of the, the hoopla that's going around about, you know, school shootings and, you know, guns, um, gun laws and all this. And, and really he boiled down to this very thing. There's a lack of authority or submission to an authority. And he also used, you know, he didn't come out right and say God, he used the term God, but he also talked about a higher authority. And he said, that's the problem. It's, it's a cultural problem. It's not, it's not a gun problem. It's a cultural problem. And it, it's, it, it all evolves around this issue of authority. You know, we, we live in a society that seems to pride itself in its rebellion against authorities. That seems to think that, that we can live without authority. This isn't anything new. This is as old as mankind. And, and so here, uh, again, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, priests, chief priests, come to Jesus with the elders, which would be the Sanhedrin, to question Jesus about his authority. Remember, Brother Mitchell mentioned about how they'd gone, uh, I think it was to Capernaum or, or wherever that place was, they went 85 miles just to argue with him. And this is what they're doing here. So, in answer to this question, who gave thee the authority? I have three things this morning I want to mention or address. First of all, the establishment of authority. Secondly, the attempt to eliminate authority. And then, last, an elusive answer to those who question authority. First of all, the establishment of authority. And I have three points under this one, first point. And first of all, the establishment of prophetic authority. And notice verses 2 through 4. And he spake unto him, saying, Tell us by what authority doest thou these things, or who is he that gave thee this authority? And he answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing, answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? So the question put to the, you know, Jesus answers a question with a question. And I'll talk more about that later. But And the question put to them was, okay, if you're questioning my authority, uh, uh, the question I have for you is uh, the baptism of John. Who gave John his authority? Where was his authority from? And basically what he's saying here is, who gave the prophets authority? Because John was a prophet. And again, if you go back in history, where did, the, where, did the, where did the men of God or the prophets of God get their authority? Deuteronomy 33.1 says this, and this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. Stephen, in, his, in Acts chapter 7, in his address uh, answering 
to the Sanhedrin says in Acts 7.35, This Moses whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? So they said, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? They said that to Moses. The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in a bush. So it was God that made Moses a ruler and a deliverer. And it was that same Moses that the children of Israel continually rebelled against. In Isaiah chapter 6, where it is, Isaiah get his authority. Isaiah 6, 8, 9. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, in other words, the Lord said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Look at Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7. This would be be during the days of Jeroboam, after the the kingdom was divided. And, of course, Jeroboam set up uh, altars in Bethel and one in Dan and offered offered, uh, sacrifices thereon in the place of the, the, the... the place that God required at Jerusalem. And these became a sin unto Israel. And so Amos, in Amos 7, verse 10, it says, Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, in other words, go, hey, you, you, you know, a seer is another word for prophet, go, flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread and prophesy there, but prophesy not again any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel, and it is the king's court. Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdman, and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go prophesy unto my people Israel. So, you know, the, 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 the state-sanctioned pro- prophet or priest says to the unsanctioned pre- prophet, You need to go somewhere else. Who gave you the authority to be here anyway? And he said, the Lord, the Lord called me. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Of course, speaking clearly there of of John the Baptist. And the Lord, whom you seek, this is speaking now of Christ, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And then chapter 4, verse 1, Again, he says, Behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the pride, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be as stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. I'm sorry, I got the wrong, wrong uh, verse there. It's, chapter, it's verse 5, chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. 
And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a, coat, uh, with a curse. And in Luke chapter 1, this is fulfilled. This prophecy is fulfilled in Luke chapter 1. And verse 15. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Of course, this is speaking of John the Baptist. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord our God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and a disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared uh, for the Lord. So, you know, it's very, it's very clear from the scriptures that John was sent or authorized by the Lord. In fact, John 1 verse 6 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. You know, Zachariah understood it. By the way, he was a priest. Why didn't the rest of them understand it? You know, there, uh, John's authority came from God. Prophetic authority came directly from God. It was given by God. You know, and that authority, you know, that authority given by God has not changed. Pastors have authority given by God, limited to the word of God. Uh, churches have authority. Yeah, Paul talked about his authority in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8. For though I boast, should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. Right, look at Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. Of course, Paul left Titus in Crete. In verse 5 it says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldst set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, hold, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able, notice, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Now, of course, the word bishop in verse 7 is the same word, means overseer. He's to, 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 be, to rule. Uh, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. And then in chapter 2, verse 15 again, he says, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no man despise thee. You know, Hebrews 13, two times in Hebrews 13, verse 7 and verse 17, it says to obey them that have the rule over you, for they watch for your souls. So, so you know, 
pastors have authority given by God, and, and we as a church have been given the authority to take the gospel into the world. Matthew 28 says, All power is given unto me, that go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. We have that authority. You know, somebody might ask you sometimes, what right do you have to confront me with the gospel? Or to knock on my door? Pastor Bobby Mitchell was telling one time about they were working in this trailer park. It was a pretty rough looking area. And he said, it did make me a little nervous. And he said, actually, he said, I, wa- I knocked on this one guy's door, and he said, and he said that the door swung open, and he, kind of, he jumped out at me like he was trying to scare me. And the guy said, what right do you have to knock on my door? The guy said, what right do I have? And he said, it's a privilege. He said, you're free to knock on my door. And he said, then the guy didn't come back. No, we've been given that authority to take the gospel into all the world. We are ambassadors for our Lord. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. You know, an ambassador has the authority of the sending country. And so we see the establishment of prophetic authority. We also see the establishment for, uh, uh, that we are under personal authority. We're personally responsible. Notice verses 9 through verse 18 of our text. Luke chapter 20, verse 9. So there's prophetic authority, personal authority, or the, or the fact that we are personally accountable to God, the supreme authority. Verse 9 says, Then began he to speak a par- to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and led it forth to husband and went into a far country for a long season. And at the season he sent and a servant to the husbandman that they should give him of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandman beat him and sent him away empty. And again he sent another servant, and they beat him also, and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty. Again he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. But when the husbandman saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. Now this parable is particular to Israel, who is, who is stated as the vineyard in Isaiah chapter 5. If you go to Isaiah chapter 5 for just a moment. Isaiah chapter 5. Israel is the vineyard. Isaiah chapter 5. Verse 1. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. I'm not going to take time to read all this, but notice, drop down to verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, repression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry. So Israel is 
the vineyard. Uh, the man, of course, is God. The son, of course, is Christ. The servants that were sent from uh, the, the, the man are the prophets or the preachers that were sent to the nation of Israel. And, of course, the husbandmen are the children of Israel. And the point here is that God is authority over all, and we are accountable to him as stewards of all that he has given us. You know, even as we, we noticed in Sunday school class this morning, in the old class, that the children of Israel turned away from God. They made the temple, you know, they pride themselves in their temple, but not in the person of the temple. Not in a relationship with God. They just wanted to retain control, and they didn't want to submit to the authority of God. They didn't want to give God what was rightly his. They just wanted it for advantage. You know, they had plenty of testimony against the fact that there's something better than this. I mean, the temple veil rent from top to bottom. Signifying, we're done with this. And then Stephen says, he quotes the Old Testament scriptures. You know, about the Lord, he, didn't, he don't need a temple made with hands. You see, they were not willing to submit to God's authority. They didn't want to be accountable to him. But again, this, this is as old as the history of mankind. Yeah, but we need to be, we understand that we are personally accountable to God as the supreme authority. You know, all other authority is limited. It's limited, but God's authority is supreme. Uh, in Genesis 2 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God made you and I. Psalm 100, verses 1 through 3, Make a joyful noise on the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye not that know ye not know ye that the Lord He is God, and it is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. There's no such thing as a self-made man. Maybe a very self-deceived one. In Matthew 19, Jesus again answering the Pharisees, he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them, made them at the beginning, made them male and female? And the point I want to make is, he made them. And Paul, and we, again we see this throughout the scriptures, Paul in Acts chapter 17, and before the, the, uh, all those wise people at Athens, in Acts chapter 17, verse 24 says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of all the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not very uh, far from every one of us. For in him, not only has he made us and made all things, but it's in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring, or we are his creation. And of course, 
speaking particularly to the church at Corinth and to us, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What? Know ye not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. Galatians 3.26, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. And you know Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents. Now let me say that again. Galatians 3.26 says, Ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And six, Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, we're all God's children, obey your parents. Now we don't have a heavenly mother, but we do have a heavenly father. That we need to obey. You know, if American adults would practice what the Bible says about our authority, the little sheep wouldn't be such a problem. It was a sheep, not a lamb, that went astray in the parable Jesus told. See, we are all personally accountable. And Jesus reiterates this to them in a way that they could not deny, in verses 17 and 18, it says, and he beheld them. You know, they said, God forbid. You know, they told us the story. He said, God forbid. This just can't happen. And he beheld them. He's, it's like he stepped back and he's saying, seriously? I mean, this is as guilty as pie in your face. You are as guilty as pie in your face. And he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same as become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Now this is a quotation from Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23, where it says, The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Now, there's, the story is told about this corner, this cornerstone, uh, headstone, that when they were building the temple, you know, there was not a saw on the temple site. They cut everything at the, at the quarry. They cut all the stones at the quarry and, and then brought them to the site and just put it together. But they, they sent up one stone that didn't seem to fit anyway. And finally, the builders, in frustration of moving this one around, finally just pushed it over the edge of the, of, the, of the cliff. Get rid of it. And then we were getting finishing the building, but they were missing a stone that was different from all the rest. Finally, somebody says, you know what? That was the stone we rejected threw over the cliff. And they dug it back out and brought it back up. And it was the headstone of the corner. It's the capstone. And Jesus is saying here, I am the stone. I'm the chief cornerstone. And of course, Peter made reference to that as well. In, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6-8, to it says, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, he that believeth in him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, 
and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. And this is the same stone that Daniel referred to in Daniel chapter 2, when he said that there's going to be a stone cut out of the mountain without hands that's going to grind all these images or these kingdoms of the world to powder. And then it's going to fill the whole earth. And you remember Revelation chapter 11 verse 15 says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. You see, we're all going to have to give an account. We're all going to have to submit. At some point. And we can, we can submit now. And he can become precious. Or we can rebel like these Pharisees. And be destroyed. You know Romans 14, 11, 12 says. For it is written. As I live saith the Lord. Every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess. So then every one of us shall give account of himself. To God. So there is the personal authority. And then there's a third thing. There is also princely, or we might say political. I don't like that word, but you know, poly means many, tick means bloodsucker. Uh, but princely, princely authority or government authority. Notice verse 19. Verse 19 of chapter 20 of Luke. And the chief priests and the scribes the same hour sought to lay hands on him, and they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. And they watched him and sent forth spies, which should feign themselves just men, that they might take hold of his words, that they might deliver him under the power and authority of the governor. And they asked him, saying, Master, we know that thou sayest and teachest rightly, neither acceptest thou the person of any, but teachest the way of God truly. Now, these are spies saying this, trying to catch him in his word. They're being, using flattery. So is it lawful for us, verse 22, to give tribute unto Caesar or no? But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Show me a penny, whose image and superscription hath it. They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. And they could not take hold of his words because before the people, and they marveled at his answer and held their peace. So, so here we see you know, the Lord addresses this issue of government or princely authority. That they will, we are to submit to government authority. You know, Genesis chapter 9, God established human government. He said, when a man sheds a man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. That's the first reference really in the Bible to the establishment of, of government, human government. And, and that is kind of reiterated in Numbers chapter 35. And, and, and then in Romans, and you come to the New Testament, go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, <coughs> excuse me. You know, some people today say, you know, we shouldn't obey the government. You know, our government's wicked and all this kind of stuff. And what was Rome like? What was Rome like? Romans 13. Let every soul be subject unto the higher power, so there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained 
of God. And that word ordained means set in place or appointed. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation or judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good works. So it's obvious he's talking about human government here. But to the evil, wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, you must be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute, that's taxes. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all your dues, to all your dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So we are to, to submit to government authority. We are to pay our taxes to the government to provide the protection that they're supposed to render to us. Now, Peter says we're to fear God and honor the king. We're to submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. And we're to fear God and honor the king. Now the only viable reason that you and I have to disobey government is when they would cause you to sin. They would try to cause you to do something that's contrary to the word of God. Government is ordained of God. It's set in place. It's appointed by God as an authority over us. So we see the establishment of authority. Secondly, the attempt to eliminate this authority. Note verses 1 and 2 again of Luke chapter 20. And it came to pass on one of those days as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel. The chief priests and the scribes came upon him with the elders, and spake unto him, saying, Tell us, by what authority doest thou these things? Or who is he that gave thee this authority? You know, really what the Pharisees, or the, the scribes and the elders here, and the priests are attempting to do, is to skirt or get around the authority that God has established. They want to eliminate it. Of course, this is, this is, you know, ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, rebelled against God's authority in the garden, history is one long, continuous, and sad story of man's rebellion, trying to get out from under God's authority. You have Cain and his line, which resulted in the flood. In Genesis chapter 11, not long after Noah comes off the ark, you have the Tower of Babel. And men like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, or in the face of God, that's the idea there. He wasn't hunting deer. He was hunting men, conquering men. And the, the, the words before the Lord is like, in your face. Yeah. You have the children of Israel continually murmuring against Moses, God, God's appointed uh, authority for them and turning away from God and, and, re, and, the re, and the rejection and persecution of the prophets. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, the Lord told Isaiah, and he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make the ears heavy, shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, 
until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. You know, they eventually killed Isaiah. They stoned Zechariah. They tried to kill Jeremiah. And it finally come to this. Second Chronicles 36, 16. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. You know, why are the children of Israel in our text here where they are? Why are they under Roman rule? Because they mocked the messengers of God. They despised their words, misused the prophets. Until finally God said, there's no remedy. No remedy. The Corinthians said about Paul, 2 Corinthians 10.10, for his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. The word contemptible means to make no account of or to despise. Paul told us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. You know, our nation is full. The majority of the churches in our nation are just teaching fables. They're full of people with itching ears. Or prophets that have itching ears. More worried about their paychecks than they are what the word of God says. And the people are more worried about being comfortable in the pew than they are about thus saith the Lord. And it is true, like here, if people can't answer or negate the message, what do they do? They attack the messenger, like they did Stephen. So there's always an attempt to eliminate authority. But I want you to notice the third thing, an elusive answer to those who question authority. This is kind of interesting to me. And I have two things I want to mention here. First of all, Jesus answers a question with a question. Verses 3 and 4. And he answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Now there's a couple of interesting verses in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceits. So verse 4 says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And the verse 5 says, to answer a fool according to his folly. This is what Jesus is doing here. Now, he could have given them a straight answer. They ask him, 
where did you get this authority? He could have said, my heavenly father gave it to me. But what would have been the response? He, you know, he could have simply said, like he did the Samaritan woman, who was simply seeking the truth. He simply said to her, I am he. That's what he said. He said, I am he. And she went away and told everybody, is not this the Christ? But here's the scribes and the Pharisees who are supposed to know all these things. He doesn't give them an answer. He just asks them another question. He questions them to expose expose their hypocrisy. They they want answers, but they don't want to give answers. You see, they don't want to be accountable, yet they want people to be accountable to them, and they want to rule over them. They want an answer that would give them an opportunity to discredit him and destroy him. That's That's what they want an answer for. You know, there are people like that out there. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, verse 6, Cast not your pearls before swine, lest they turn again and rend you. So he refused them to give them a plain answer. Notice verse 8, it says, And Jesus said to them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. And then, of course, he tells this parable. which again exposes their hypocrisy. You know, Jesus was always eager and ready to give an answer to the, of the truth to those who sought it. But these men were not seeking the truth. They were looking for an occasion against him. Notice again verse 19 and 20. And the chief priests and the scribes the same hour sought to lay hands on him, and they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. So they were looking for an occasion. Excuse me. Look at John chapter twenty or John chapter nine. <clears throat> we see and it shows us here what they do with an answer. <clears throat> John chapter nine. This is the account of Jesus healing the blind man, and in verse twenty-four, it says, "Then again called they the man that was bl- was blind." Now they had already talked to him once. They talked to his parents, and and they said, "Well, ask him. You know, he's he's of age," because they feared they feared the Pharisees. He had already told him, you know, that he, I was, yeah, I was born blind, and he just opened my eyes. And so they asked him again, and uh, they said, uh, called the man that was born blind, and said unto him, verse 24, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Notice, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. 
Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. It's like, duh! But notice their answer. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. So what what they do? They, they couldn't answer or negate what he said. So what they do? They attacked him. They didn't want an answer. They didn't want the truth. So Jesus did not give them a straight answer. He simply showed the emptiness and the error of their way with his with the parable that he gave. You know, and you and I, but, but I want you to notice one other thing. Jesus did not chide with them or argue with them. We'll go to first, uh, Second Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> this is how he responded. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive. He didn't argue. He didn't fight with them. Must not strive. The idea is being a brawler or a fighter. But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. He didn't give them what they, he knew they would not receive. But he did simply expose the hypocrisy and the error and their motives patiently. And notice it says, peradventure, it will give them repentance to life. You know, a little later in the book of Acts, it says this, that many of the priests believed on his word. Yeah, I think probably some of that same crowd. Of course, there was Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. But there were others who later then did realize their error of their way. Simply because the Lord was patient. He didn't argue with them. He simply showed the error of their way and hypocrisy. But you and I, we must understand that God has all authority. And we are accountable to God. We are accountable to God-ordained authority. Whether it's prophetic authority or government authority. And of course, God is the supreme authority and all other authority is limited. The prophetic authority is limited to the word of God. Our authority as a church is limited, again, to the word of God. 
But we do, do need to be accountable to the authority that God has placed over us. Uh, God is going to hold us accountable. And you know, really, it's safe. It is safe to submit to authority. That's where the blessing is. That's where the blessing of God is. And that's where the protection of God is. You know what happened to those who rebelled against God's authority? Cain and his descendants? Nimrod? The scribes and elders? They're destroyed. Oh, they killed Stephen. But he went to heaven. And they went to hell. See, it's safe to submit to authority. So God has established a chain of authority. And of course, he is the supreme authority and we need to submit to him. And of course, we need to realize that he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And we must come to him through repentance and faith, trusting him as our Lord and the Savior. Have you submitted to him through the new birth, being born again by the Spirit of God? Have you submitted to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and made him Lord of your life?